You're listening to another hope-filled podcast from Life. For more information about our church, visit lifenz.org. So a couple of years ago now, we moved into uh, this uh, uh, up onto the Hibiscus Coast, and we moved there in like a I forget what it was November or something. And a few months later, we we get these uh, notices in the mail and these uh, notices that are plastered all around the street saying that the Wheat Bix Triathlon is coming. And I thought, I oh, whatever Wheat Bix Triathlon would be good to go. I woke up the morning of the Wheat Bix Triathlon. I couldn't see the street for people because our house is on the, the route of the Wheat Bix. I'm like, yeah, a couple of kids with bikes and whatever's will be fine. 2,700 kids <coughs> are in the Wheat Bix Triathlon, plus their parents and their siblings that turn up. There's like, like 7,000 or 8,000 people at six o'clock on a Sunday morning. People, I can't afford to be late on a Sunday. Like any other day, I'm good. But a Sunday, I can't afford to be late. So Judah, my son, who was like five or six at the time, started seeing all of these kids wearing their Wheat Bix Triathlon shirts afterwards. He's like, Dad, I want a shirt. I'm like, dude, you got to do the triathlon to get the shirt. He's like, no, 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 I just want the shirt. I'm like, bro, you, you got to be a triathlete to get the triathlon shirt. He's like, nah, nah, dad, I, I just want the shirt. So anyway, we have that talk and it dies down. And then some wonderful parents around here let their kids wear their shirt on a Sunday to thank you very, very much. Uh, where their kids wear their Wheat Bix Triathlon shirt. So that would start the cold conversation up again. Dad, can I get a shirt? Yep, when you do the triathlon. It's a, no, no, I don't want to do that. Then the kid across the street, his name is Ollie, about five weeks ago or six weeks ago, says to Judah, hey, I just ordered my shirt and this year you can pay $5 extra and get your name across the bottom of the shirt. Judah's like, hey, 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 I want a shirt with my name on it. Like, dude, well, you got to do the triathlon. He's like, okay, I'll do it. So we sign him up for the triathlon, and a few weeks before, in the mail comes Judah's shirt with Thornton written across the bottom of it. I am now the proud owner of a triathlete. Like, he did the run, swim. We were training. He was out there the weekend before doing the swim and the run and the bike. And the Thursday before, we took his bike to the bike store. You'd be proud of me. Only time I've been to a bike store. Took the bike into a bike store and we got like the tires changed and we are good to go. Like he's on to this. He gets the medal. Like I even finished the I even finished the Wheat Bix Triathlon, gets the medal, and he's pumped. He's walking around in his trap. Why? Because he did the triathlon. And I thought, you know what? So many Christians want the benefits of what Jesus did on the cross without engaging their here now and their today in what God died. Jesus died for you to have a better tomorrow, but it's going to take you and I engaging in today and bringing His promise in today. You don't just get the T-shirt without engaging in the promise. And this year, Pastor Paul has themed our year here now. And I don't know about you, I want to live a life that engages God in my here and in my now, you know, they did a sociological study of 50 people who were 95 years old or older. Stephanie, when do you turn 90? It's soon. When's your birthday? Next week. What day next week? 
Next Wednesday, Stephanie turns 90 years old. You're amazing. Awesome. So they did a sociological study of 50 people over the age of 95. You may have heard this. And they said, what are the three things that you would change if you could go back and live life again? And the three things they said is we would risk more. We'd take more risks. Uh, Number two, we'd reflect more. We'd stop and we'd pause and we'd think deeply about some stuff. And thirdly, we would do more things that would live on beyond our lifetime. So we would start some stuff. I don't know if you were in church last week, but I had the opportunity to interview Pastor Paul on the couch for his 60th birthday. And my last question to him was, what would 60-year-old Paul say to 25, 35, and 45-year-old Paul? I loved his response. I'd say to 25-year-old Paul that there is no long-term shortcuts. Just put the work in. Just do the work. You, you, want, you want a great life? Then just do one day at a time and you'll build a great life. What I'd say to 35-year-old Paul is don't isolate yourself with busyness. You've got kids and jobs and so much demands on your time that you can't do it alone, engage other people. And I'd say to 55-year-old Paul that you're not done. There is still some stuff for you to do in front of you. And I love that it doesn't matter what age we're at, we can make a decision now that I'm gonna live my life in such a way that some things live on well beyond after I am gone. I don't know about you, but I've had some moments in church where where God highlights a bullseye in the future for me. But maybe I'm sitting in church and I, and I hear about how God wants me to have a great marriage or a great relationship or great internal world or maybe through God, money and me that God wants me to live a life that goes on to my children's children and, 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 and I get a picture of a bullseye that, that, that God has something for me in the future. You know what I've noticed about God? God looks at my future and, and speaks back to where I am today, saying, hey, if you do some stuff today, then you'll, you'll end up with a future like this. God is outside of time. And he says, I, I know the future I have for you. Jeremiah 33 plans to give you a future and a hope. And God sits in my future that he has for me and beckons me. He woos me. He says, hey, I've got a better future for you. And there's a bullseye. But you ever had one of those moments in God where you, you know that, the, that there's a brighter day tomorrow? Whether it's in your health, whether it's in your relational or financial world or career, or maybe it's just your own internal journey. You know, you know, I want some stability in, and there is a bullseye painted, but I, I don't know about you. Most of the time when that bullseye is painted, my current reality feels a long way off from what God is speaking to me about. And I think that's the beauty of a God who is outside of time. He knows the plans he has for us. And he speaks from that point so that I can make some, the title of my message, if you take notes, is Legacy is about here and now. Legacy is not, well, one day that'll happen. Legacy is create. Judah wanted a T-shirt, so he needed to engage here and now in the race in front of him, and he ended up with the very thing that he wanted. Can I tell you, I don't want to minimalize what God has for you 
to a t-shirt, but the same principle applies. If you want a great marriage or if you want great thinking or if you want to overcome some hurt or some disappointment, then it's not one day it will dissolve itself. God speaks to our here now and says, if you want a different legacy, then there's some things that you need to do today to align yourself with the future that I have for you. So what God does when He paints a picture, what God does when He gives us a target is more or less, He just gives us a point to point our lives to. He gives us somewhere. I'm not going to shoot over there. Don't be worried. I'm not going to shoot it. <laughs> two reasons I won't shoot it. Number one, health and safety. And number two, pride. I'll probably miss. So, so here's the deal. God, God gives us a, a target that we can align our here and now up to so that we can begin to take steps towards the future that He has for us. Can I tell you, I've never heard of someone who's woken up and said, I've got the life that I dreamed of, but I didn't have to do anything along the way to align my life to the future that God has for me. My legacy, what I'm gonna leave beyond my life is determined by what I do with my here and my now. If you are under 25, listen to me. Don't wait till you're 35 or 45 to begin to align your life with what God has for you. Get a jump start. Do it now and start in your here now to align it. Here's what I've found in my own life, that it's real easy to align my life on a Sunday morning when Jamie's worship leading, Adrian with his man bun (laughs) creates a great moment I've got my wife sitting beside me in church, which happens about once every 24 months because she's normally on stage or I'm somewhere else. When all everything, it's real easy to align my life. But what happens tomorrow when I go to work? And all of a sudden, all these other voices start to compete. And I don't think people intentionally misalign their life, but all of a sudden, regret or fear starts to speak. And I align my life to regret or fear. Doubt starts to speak and I align my life to doubt. The what ifs. How many have got any what ifs in their life? If onlys. Come on, anyone? And they start to speak. And here's the good news for you. I believe today God wants to realign a bunch of us. And it doesn't matter where you are. There's always a straight line between where you are and the promise of God on your life. You may be different to when you first got the promise. You may be not where you want to be, but all it takes is you aligning your here and your now with the future that God has for you, and you can begin to walk into the legacy that God wants you to create into the future that He has for you, because legacy is about here, now. I need to engage the promises of God in my here and in my now. You know one of the, the, the scariest scriptures that I've ever read? In 1 Corinthians, it, it says that when Jesus rose again from the dead, how many believe Jesus rose again? Come on, in three weeks' time, we're going to celebrate ease. It's the crux of our faith. It, it is why we believe what we believe. And it is, it is the very reason why we have hope for that. He rose again. He beat death. First Corinthians says, after he rose again, uh, in fact, I want to read it to you. First Corinthians chapter 15, verse 5 and 6 says, He was seen by Peter and then by the twelve. After that, he was seen by more than 500 of his followers at one time, most of whom are still alive. Obviously, Corinthians was written after all this happened and some of them 
Anyway, through though they have died. Uh, then he was seen by James and later by the apostles. 500 followers in there here now heard Jesus say, go to Jerusalem, wait in the upper room and I will send a, I will send a helper for you. I will give you the promise of the Holy Spirit. I won't be with you, but I'm gonna send a helper. For 500 followers heard him say that. And then the Bible, most theologians believe it was somewhere between 50 and 90 days from that statement to when the, the Holy Spirit actually came down in Acts chapter 2. Here's the crazy part. Out of the 500 that heard the promise, the Bible says there was 120 in the room who received the power of the Holy Spirit. That is horrible odds. 500 received the promise and 90 days later, there was 120 in the upper room. Why? Because I reckon in that moment, yeah, I'm going to Jerusalem and I'm gonna stand in the upper room and I'm gonna wait for the promise of the Holy Spirit. But in that 90 days, there was pressure and there was doubt and Jesus wasn't around anymore. And maybe I misheard and maybe I'm just looking for something that wasn't there. So maybe I just won't wait anymore. And you fast forward to the promise that Jesus had and there's only 120 people who received the promise. Listen, we're a part of a church who have senior pastors who don't want the story that a few hundred people heard the promise of a better tomorrow and only a handful got it. But we want to move into the future committed to aligning our life here and now with the promise that God has for us. So we receive everything He has for us. Acts chapter 2, on the day of Pentecost, all the believers were meeting together in one place, all 120 of them. Suddenly there was a sound from heaven like that of a roaring windstorm and it filled the house where they were sitting. Then what looks like tongues, sorry, flames or tongues of fire appeared and settled on each of them. I want you to, if you highlight, if you underline, if you write words down, I want you to write these next three words down. It says, and everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit and everyone present received the promise. And everyone present got what Jesus said would happen. And everyone present hit the bullseye that Jesus talked about and began speaking in other tongues as the Holy Spirit gave them utterance. And everyone present, church, look at me for a moment. We're living in a world where we have to fight to be present. There are so many distractions. There's so many voices. There's... So many things. When was the last time you actually walked into the house and put your phone down? We're like crack addicts walking around with, I don't mean to be mean, that's exactly what we're like. We, we, we're with our kids and we've got a phone in our hand. We're with our spouse. We're on a date and we've got a phone. I'm Instagramming the fact I'm on a date with my wife. You're not on a date with your wife. You're Instagramming with your wife and she happens to be there. And everyone present. I wonder if we're really present. Not are you attending, are you present? Not do you attend family night, are you present at family night? Not do you attend church. Shut down Candy Crush real quick. If you're going on a date, don't Candy Crush, crush on something else, seriously. 
Do we attend or are we present? Because here's what I've learned. For me to receive the promise and live the legacy that God wants me to live, I need to be present in my here and my now. Because the promise is, and every, not 90% of those who were present, not 50% of those who were present, not the chosen few of those who were present, everyone present received what God had promised. And I think that same principle applies today. If you and I would be present with the promises of God and keep a line, not get it all right, not, not, not mess up every down here. No, no, no. If I would do my best to remain present and when I get distracted by doubt or fear or regret or whatever, I become present again with the promises of God and realign my life. Let me give you my whole message in one sentence. It's my present, my here now response alongside his promise that determines my legacy. It's my present, my here now response to his promise that determines my legacy. And I wanna live a life that leaves a story and a pattern for other people to follow when it comes to uh, the things of God and the promises of God. It's not just the promise of God. Listen, every kid in Auckland is promised a t-shirt if they choose to run in the triathlon. It's not only a few kids, anyone. The Bible says that whoever believes in Jesus, not a few, but if we are present, it changes the way we do life. Let me give you a a few commitments of living present that I've tried to mold into my life over this last little while. Number one, I've got to commit to value what is in my hand. Yeah, but one day when I get my degree, I'll, I'll do something. No, no, no. Yeah, but one day when the kids leave home, when they're, when they're not two and four and I'm not constantly surrounded by little people, then I'll make it. No, no, no. Yeah, but what I, when I, I've retired now, you know what I've noticed? I'm now 43 years old. And up until about 35, I was too young to do anything. And now I'm 43, I've got to get out of the way and let the young people come through. Where's my prime? Like I peaked and I missed it. Like it's, it's gone. <laughs> Here's the deal though. Jesus said, everyone, I don't care whether you are 10, 20, 30, 50 or 90. You can do whatever you want to do to be present, to line yourself up with the promise of God. If I commit to what's in my hand. You know, there's this amazing story in the book of John where Jesus was at a wedding and they run out of wine and Running out of wine back in that day was not like running out of wine in this. You couldn't just go down to the BWS, BT, what's that place called? Come on, you know it. Frequent flyer there every Friday night, beer, wine and spirit. I'm just, I'm just <laughs> you, you can't just go down there and, and pick up some more drinks. And do, No, no, back then the wedding would go for three to five days. There was no honeymoon. We're not getting on a plane and going to Hawaii. We are just having one big party, including honeymoon. Everyone's there. That was the wedding. Thank God we're not doing that anymore because I don't want to go on my honeymoon with 400 of my closest friends. But back then, the host was responsible to make sure there was wine for the entire three to five days. If you didn't, it was socially horrendous for you if you ran out of wine. So they went to Jesus and said, hey, the host has ran out of wine. It's going to go real bad for him. And I want, I want you to read with me in John chapter 2. It says, standing nearby were six stone water jars used for Jewish ceremonial washing. 
Each, hold, each would hold 20 to 30 gallons. That's 80 to 120 liters. Jesus told the servants, fill the jars with water. You mean the ceremonial jars? You mean the ones at the front door that I walk past every day? You mean the ones that we've used three times in the last two weeks for ceremonial washing because that's what we, you mean those jars? The jars that is the part of my normal everyday life. You want, you want me to use, the, come on, Jesus, can't it be a bit more glamorous than that? Like, can't you grow a vineyard in my backyard overnight and like a wine prayer? Like, no, 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 I want you to use the, the jars that are in your hand. I want you to value what is right in front of you. Listen, you mean you want to use the school run when I drop the kids off? Yeah, yeah. Would you just use the school run this week to make a difference in someone's life? You mean you want me to use the building site? Like I'm just a chippy, I'm a builder. Yeah, why don't you use the building site and value what's in your hand to make a difference? You mean I, just, just, just send an encouraging text? That, that's easy for me to do. Give me something more difficult. Why do we complicate these things? And God just says, just send a text because your text with my breath on it can change someone else's life. Would you just value what's in your hand? A few weeks ago, it was at our prayer and fasting. It was the third night. We were in our central campus. At the end of the night, I had Kyla with me. I was taking her home. I think Amanda and the other kids had already gone home and uh, everyone else had cleared out. And this uh, amazing, she may be in this service. Forgive me if you are. There was this amazing Latino lady that came up to me. She said, hey, we moved here a few months ago. And as she was telling me her story, her daughter, who, I don't know, maybe three, four or five, came running up to Kyla, my 15-year-old, and wrapped her arms around her and said, would you be my sister? I said, I've got three kids. Take her home. It's all right. Got a couple of spare. The mum says, you can't ask her to be your sister. She goes, will you be my babysitter then? I said to Kyla, hey, why don't you go and, and play with this little girl while I talk to her mum? And her mum said, hey, we moved here two months ago. And from the first Sunday we moved here, your daughter has been my daughter's life group leader up in kids' church. And every Sunday they've been doing group together. And my daughter loves your daughter. She's giving her a pattern of how to grow into her teenage years well. You mean Kyla? The one that wakes up grumpy sometimes. <laughs> she doesn't. You mean Kyla? The one gets annoyed at her little brother. That Kyla. How easy is it for us to overlook the very thing that's in our hand rather than saying, God, in my here now, all I need is to do is to value what's in my hand and I can align my life to the future. You, you're not asking me to do something I can't do. You're just asking me to value what's in my hand. A few weeks ago, I was driving to preach somewhere. I don't, I don't know. There's a, there's a friend of mine who we work together. His name's Nick. He's up here a lot when I'm not. So we're the same person. It's like Superman and Clark Kent. Uh, not really. Um, so Nick... I don't know how he gets my schedule, but he knows when I'm speaking. And every time, I kid you not, I could show you my phone. Every time I speak, there's a text. It's a one-liner. Something like, hey, man, praying for you this morning. Hey, man, you're going to do great this morning. Hey, About four weeks ago, I was driving somewhere to speak. I don't even think it was in Auckland. I can't remember. And I'm having these thoughts go through my head. God, I hope what I've prepared is enough. And I'm having these kind of one of those moments where I'm like, God, am I really, did you pick the right, did you mean Steve and you said Scott when you said go and preach? Like, did you get the right, I had one of those mornings. In that moment, my, a text came through 
And it was from Nick. Hey, mate, you're going to smash it this morning. You've got a word from God. Go for it. And answered the very doubt that was creeping into my mind in one text. You mean just the text? You mean I don't have to turn up with a fanfare and do a hot Just the text? Listen, if God prompts you to do something, then value what's in your hand and you have no idea what difference that will make. Stop looking for some grand massive thing and in my here and in my now, align myself with the future that God has for me and I'm gonna commit to value what is in my hand. Just commit to value what's in your hand. Number two, I've gotta commit to owning the moment. I love what Cy Rogers says. He says, hey, if you find yourself in a ditch, it may be someone else who put you in the ditch, but you got to take responsibility to get out of the ditch. And so many Christians are going around the same mountain year after year after year and, and having the same problem and the same issue, but they don't do anything to say, God, I'll take respect. Maybe someone else's fault that I feel this way, but I'm gonna take responsibility for my own life and say, Holy Spirit, what have I got to do in my here and in my now to own the moment and move forward and align my life into all you've got for me? Listen, regret's not gonna do that. Shame's not gonna do that. Blaming someone else isn't gonna do that. But Holy Spirit, what have I got to do? I, I love this sobering thought that comes out in Judges chapter two, uh, in Exodus chapter four, sorry, go back in Exodus chapter 14, the children of Israel are in the desert and they're wandering around the desert and they say to Moses, take us back. And then in Judges chapter two, there's this statement that said, after that generation died, another generation grew up who did not acknowledge the Lord or remember the mighty things that he had done for Israel. What I do in my here and my now aligns not just me, but those coming after me to hear a God who speaks from the future back to my present and says, I've got a better tomorrow for you and let's live a life that is, Amanda and I would pray probably twice a week, if not more, God, use our family and use our story to create train tracks and a pathway for others to live their life by us owning our moment and saying, God, I may not have created this mess, but I'm gonna step into it and be used by you to create a pathway forward so that others can know what it is to do the same thing. I've got to own this moment. I was driving with a friend of mine a little while ago and they said hey man can I talk to you yeah no problem uh what's going on he said hey I've got a problem can you help me with it yep no problem what's your problem I don't like my personality man that's a tough one because if you don't like your hair I can send you to Amelia who does great haircuts if you don't like your fashion I can send you to Nick Edwards who can take you shopping If, if you don't like your voice, then we can get, but if you don't like your personality, it's, that's a tough one. So I was about to launch into all the, all the normal preacher scriptures, Psalm 139, and God was with you, he was in your mother's womb, and he knitted and created you. They're not tokens for me, I really believe them. So I'm about to launch into those, and I feel like the Holy Spirit says, stop. I said to him, hey, tell me sometime in the last week that you've helped someone. He said, well, I was at uni last week and this guy was having all sorts of challenges and I sat down and I talked to him and, and I said to him, hey, I know how you feel and 
I've felt that way before and, and here's the pathway forward. I said, could anyone else have had that conversation? He goes, no. I said, the reason you could have that conversation is because God gave you the personality you've got to connect with those he's called you to connect with. I said, can I be honest with you, mate? Sometimes I don't like my personality. Like I walk into a room and I can't help it, I'm just loud. Like no one's going to question whether Scott Thornton or Kyla Thornton or Judah Thornton are in the room. Amanda Thornton and Micah Thornton, absolutely, because they don't have our personality, but no one's going to question whether us three are in the room. And I said, sometimes I don't like that. I just want to be the guy in the corner. And... But here's what I've learned. God gave me that personality so that I can own this moment like no one else and align my future with the future that he has for me. Friend, you've got to own the moment. Wherever you find yourself, own the moment and say, God, help me live my here now in such a way that it aligns with the target that you have for me. Number three, I've got to commit to fleeing, not flirting. Yep, you're in church, you heard it right. I've got to commit to fleeing and not flirting. Here's what I mean by that. There is a story in the Old Testament of a guy by the name of Samson. You may have heard him. Samson, he's strong. Before Samson was born, his mum was unable to have a child and God came and spoke to her and said, hey, I'm gonna give you a child. But this child isn't gonna be a normal child. I've got a special future for him. Uh, He's gonna be one of my judges. Now, when you think judges of the Old Testament, don't think uh, think old man with a wig and 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 a... gavel don't think that because that's not what a judge is in the old a judge in the old testament is more like a superhero is an avenger he like he comes in and he kind of does away with evil like that's what that's that's more of the picture than an old man with a gray wig that's that's not a judge so god says to samson's mom hey here's what i want you to do i'm going to give you a son and here's the three things that I, i want you to commit to now this isn't a christian thing so don't go thinking this is how you become all God's, it'll be weird. But here's the three things that, that, that God said. Hey, number one, don't cut his hair. Number two, don't let him touch anything dead. The, the rule was don't touch anything ceremonially unclean. One of those is dead. So don't touch anything dead. And number three, don't drink wine. If he does that, then he'll align his life with the future that I have for him. If he does that, he'll align that. Listen to this. Judges chapter 14, verse 5 says this. As Samson and his parents were going down to Timnah, a young lion suddenly attacked Samson near the vineyards of Timnah. Pretty sure one of the things was don't drink wine. What are you doing by a vineyard? Surely there's more than one way into Timnah. Why did you take the vineyard route? I was just smelling the Shiraz. At that moment, the Spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon him and he ripped the lion's jaws apart with his bare hands. He did it as easily as if it were a young goat. I've got a question. Who's ripping young goats apart with their bare hands? But he did not tell his father and mother about it. Why? Because he wasn't supposed to be near the vineyard. 
The minute you hide where you are from those who love you, it's a massive red flag. When Samson arrived in Timnah, he talked with the woman and he was very pleased with her. Babe, I'm very pleased with you. Later, when he returned from Timnah for the wedding, he turned off the path to look at the carcass of the lion. Hold up. Don't touch anything dead. What's he doing near the carcass? Well, I'm just looking. And then he found a swarm of bees and they had made some honey in the carcass. He scooped in to get some of the honey with his hands and he ate it along the way. He also gave to his father and mother and they ate it, but he did not tell them where he had taken the honey from out of the carcass of the lion. Why? Because he wasn't to touch. Did he touch it? No. Did he drink the wine? No. But he ended up in the lap of a lady by the name of Delilah who eventually cut his hair. And he was flirting with things that would take him down. And church, look at me. Look at me. This isn't some religious, you've got to live stiff neck. I am the most, for crying out loud, look at the holes in my jacket. I'm the most unreligious person you're going to come across. But I reckon we need to raise a standard again. And if God says, don't go near it, don't flirt with it, don't touch it, don't go around it, don't think, well, I'm just smelling the Shiraz. I'm just, I'm just looking at the carcass. No, no, let's, let's run as far as we can. Listen, I read a statistic just this week that 70% of all extramarital affairs start with a contact on social media. 70% of all extramarital affairs start with a contact. Yeah, well, we used to date and she she asked for a friend request. So I just befriended her. I I think the Lord's going to use me to see her saved again. You're an idiot. Yes, she want, we want to see her saved again. But sir, you haven't got part of that story. You let someone else be part of that story. And let's not flirt and see how close we can get to things. It's tax time. Ooh. Yeah, but if I, if I don't declare that, then I get an extra 150 bucks. Is your integrity worth $150? Don't expect God to bless your finances if you cheat on your taxes. And let's live lives that are above reproach. Let's live lives that honour the Word of God. And from time to time, we're going to get it wrong. From time to time, I get it wrong. But let's be very quick not to live in a place where I've got it wrong, but to realign myself with the promise that God has for me. And some of us are going to leave church today and go and unfriend some people. Some of us are going to leave church today and adjust our tax return. Some of us are going to leave church today and get rid of some of the pages that we've been looking at on the internet. Why? Because they're horribly wrong? No, because they're flirting with things that will cause me to live a life that eventually will give away the legacy that I want to live. I know I've got an addictive personality, but I only go to the casino once a week. Is Is the casino the devil? No. I've been to the casino, I think, three times in my life. I went to a Bucks party and I whatever, since I got saved. Pre that was a few more times, but since I got saved. The casino isn't the devil because we don't fight against flesh and blood. But is the enemy has a plan for every one of us that we would squander our here now 
and align it somewhere different than God's best. And I'd align it somewhere else for immediate gratification. For, yeah, but it feels good now. Yeah, but I'm in so much pain. I just need to get away from it. Listen, there's a better way. Look at me. God loves you so much that He wants to take the pain, that He wants to give you a future. He wants to give you a hope. He wants you to find gratification in His plan and in His purpose. And this isn't a let's all live in a monastery. This is a let's hear from God and align our life with the plans and the purposes of God so that as we move forward, we are not lured into something else, but we say, God, this is where I want to go. We hope you enjoyed this podcast from Life. If you have questions or want to contact someone about this message, visit lifenz.org.